How's it going today, guys? We're back here once again live in the studio. Another episode of Hot Takes with TP3. I'm your host, Thomas Penland. Today is November 20th, 2018. About two days out here from Thanksgiving, guys. I can't wait. Finally, my Falcons, man, we get a Thanksgiving Day game. It's the first time since we had Mike Vick on the squad, so I can't wait to watch that, but... That's not where I'm going to start today's podcast, guys. i got to start out with the arms race we saw happen between Kansas City and the Rams. And i got to say, guys, this game did not disappoint at all. This is probably the most hyped-up game all season. I mean, the fact that we get to see two 8-1 or 9-1, I forget what their records were going into the game, both playing each other. Two one-loss teams, two high-powered offenses. I mean, this is the number two versus the number three offense in the NFL, and Oh, man, did they not disappoint me, guys. I mean, I know every single person was watching that game, and none of y'all were disappointed in this game. I mean, we saw them combine for 104 points. Like I told y'all on the podcast, they were trying to trap you into betting the under. I hope to God you did not bet the under because, I mean, that overcashed like that. I mean, it was so quick how it cashed. But let's talk about the game here, guys. I mean, this is a game. I mean, you'd say you gave up 51 points. A defensive player didn't dominate, but I beg to differ here, guys. Aaron Donald, to me, absolutely dominated this game. He forced two huge fumbles. The Pat Mahomes lost both of them. I mean, that was one of the biggest things the whole game was turnovers. This is a Chiefs team turned the ball over five times, three interceptions. I mean, the last one was Mahomes just trying to make something happen into the game, you know. You got to try to throw the ball down the field, take a shot, trying to make some sort of play happen, but... This is a game that was dominated by Aaron Donald. In this game, he had two solo tackles, two sacks, and two forced fumbles, and two QB hits. I mean, that's huge, the impact he made on this game. He took blocks up, he brings, takes extra attention, and he really left his mark on this game. All week long, I was kind of questioning, who's the better defensive player, Khalil Mack or Aaron Donald? I watched Khalil Mack ball out on Sunday, and I'm like, Ooh, it might be Khalil Mack, but no, guys, Aaron Donald silenced all that. I mean... Honestly, you held a gun to my head right now. You said, Thomas, tell me who's better, Aaron Donald, Khalil Mack. I would just say shoot me because I really can't tell y'all. I mean, it's that close between these two guys. Both these guys are absolute game changers. There's nobody who makes plays like these guys do across the field. They impact the game in so many more ways. They're so versatile. Obviously, Mack, I think, is probably the best edge rusher in the league, him and Vaughn Miller. Um, Aaron Donald a does a little bit more for run support and stuff. Mack still can support that stuff, but Mack is more of a pure pass rusher rather than a defensive lineman like Aaron Donald is. He's also a stand-up, so, I mean, he's a pretty much edge rusher. But the QBs in this game, guys, balled out. Both threw the ball over 45 times, which is pretty crazy. Um, both threw for over 400 yards, almost 500. I mean, six passing touchdowns for Mahomes, four for Goff. Obviously, the three turnovers. I mean, guys, don't get me wrong. Mahomes balled out in this game. The fact that you lost 51-54 and had a chance to win this game, turning the ball over five times, but... I mean, this is the Pat Mahomes I expected, guys. He puts the stats up. He gets all kinds of numbers. Six touchdowns, 478 yards passing, but five turnovers? I mean, you got to cut those down, Patty. I recognize he's a rookie. I recognize he put up 51 points as a rookie QB, but... Guys, that's way too many giveaways. Think about it. You have one less turnover like that, you won't lose this game. Now, Jared Goff, guys, I mean, between him and Gurley, I think it comes down to... Or actually, I guess I'll talk about that later with MVP. We'll get into that a little bit later. But Jared Goff is absolutely balling out, and I think he made himself a serious MVP candidate after this game. I mean, throwing for four touchdowns, ran for one as well. Goff had five total touchdowns. I mean, this kid is absolutely balling out right now. 
and this Rams offense is not missing a beat. I mean, you would think, I mean, Brandon Cooks went out at one point in time. You lose Cooper Cup, his favorite target. I mean, Josh Reynolds didn't miss a beat. Six catches, 80 yards, a touchdown. Robert Woods, four catches, 72 yards, a touchdown. 107 yards receiving for Cooks. So this Rams offense is not really missing a beat. It's actually funny. If you asked me what offensive player out of all these superstars and these teams would have the worst game, I would have never told you Todd Gurley. And Todd Gurley really didn't do that much. He had 12 carries for 55 yards and then receiving. He had three catches for 39 yards. I mean, for Todd Gurley, standards does nothing, especially the fact that he didn't get a touchdown. He leads the NFL in touchdowns for non being a quarterback. I believe he has 18 on the season. And the fact that he couldn't find the end zone one time, it's a little bit baffling to me, but. I don't think I've ever seen two offenses so stacked up with superstars like we saw last night. I mean, Tyreek Hill, 10 catches, 215 yards. Travis Kelsey, 10 catches, 127 yards. I mean, it's crazy to think Sammy Watkins had one catch for four yards. These teams' offenses are so stacked up, and this was an offensive shootout we saw now. Who I think is better between these two teams, I'm going to be honest with you guys, the fact the Chiefs almost won this game with five turnovers, i got to give it to the Chiefs, man. I don't think anybody can go into Arrowhead and beat this team in the playoffs. I think they're going to be a scary team at home in the playoffs, and I think they need to keep this home field advantage. Right now, they have the best record in the AFC, and I think they'll be able to keep that. Obviously, the Rams need the Saints to lose one time. It's going to be interesting to see if either of these two teams lose a game because, I mean, these two teams, guys, have been going off, and I just really don't see either of them losing a game. I mean, nobody can keep up with them on offense. I thought the Chiefs would be the team to take down the Rams, and they couldn't get it done. So the Chiefs sit right now at 9-2. and two. Every other team is 7-3, and three, except Pittsburgh is 7-2-1. and one. So, I mean, that tie is going to hinder them from being able to tie the Chiefs because they're going to have one less win if both teams were to win out so everything is looking good right now for Kansas City in the um, AFC but I just want to see guys if Pat Mahomes can get back to the Pat Mahomes we saw at the beginning of the season where he takes care of the ball or if this is going to be your typical Andy Reid team that gets worse as the season goes on I'm not ready yet to pick who I think is going to win the Super Bowl or go represent the AFC in the Super Bowl I'm pretty set on the Saints right now um I'll segue into my next segment here by talking about the Saints here. I mean, guys, the Saints were absolutely – that was one of the most impressive wins I've seen them have. Traquan Smith, like who is Traquan Smith? This kid balled out on the Eagles. The Eagles had no answers for New Orleans offense, and this game was a blowout from the start. New Orleans is absolutely unbeatable at home. Unfortunately, guys, I think Atlanta doesn't have a very good chance either against New Orleans at home. It's just no one can go in there and beat Drew Brees. I mean, we saw that the Eagles lost 48 to 7. 48 to 7, the defending Super Bowl champions. They were absolutely embarrassed. And I really think the Eagles' main problem right now, guys, is Carson Wentz. He threw three interceptions in this game, 156 yards. They don't have a run game. Carson Wentz hasn't looked the same since he's come back. And I think it is because of the lack of a run game. But this Eagles team, guys, they talk too much. They get distracted too easily. And I think all these distraction stuff have cost them their season. I do not think the Eagles will make the playoffs there. Their remaining schedule is way too stacked. Unfortunately, guys, for Philadelphia fans, I think y'all are done. Um, I think the Cowboys are probably going to win this division and represent y'all in the playoffs, but I'll get to that in a few minutes here. But I just want to – I got to brag on the Saints here, guys. Drew Brees played another masterful game, 363 yards, four passing touchdowns. I mean – Absolutely unbelievable. They ran the ball for 173 yards. This Saints offense can do absolutely everything. And this is the way the NFL has transitioned. There's only one dominant defense, and that's Chicago. And we saw what they did on Sunday Night Football, shutting down that Vikings offense. The Vikings pretty much got a garbage-time touchdown to make the game look a lot closer than it was. They forced tons of turnovers, made plays all over the field. But at this point in the NFL, 
you have to have a flawless offense that can march up and down the field. The way the penalties work, the way everything works, it favors the an offensive style of game, which I personally like better as a fan. I think that these offensive games are way more fun to watch, but if you don't have a flawless offense like that, guys, you can't get it done. There's the only dominant defense, like I said, right now is that um, Bears defense. And I mean, unless you have a defense like that, you got to have a dominant offense that can march up and down the field. And the Saints have that. This Saints offense at home, I think is unstoppable. I do not want to play the Saints in the playoffs. I don't. I wish the Falcons played them at home next week, but nope, we got to go in there on Thanksgiving Day. So that's not going to be a fun thing at all. And going back to my previous question, yes, I do think the Eagles are done. If you look at their upcoming schedule right now, they sit at four and six. I think Dallas wins this division at nine and seven. I mean, you play the Giants next week, you can win that game, get to five and six. But I don't know if they can beat the Redskins on Monday night. And they also have to play at Washington still. They also have to play the Texans at at, uh, L.A. for the Rams and at Dallas for the Cowboys. So, I mean, looking at that schedule, I think they can maybe win two of those games. And I don't think six and 10 gets you in the playoffs last time I checked, guys. So, I think the Eagles are done. I just don't think it was their season. I think Carson Wentz will bounce back next season, but he does not look like the same player. Some people were trying to tell me they would take Carson Wentz over Matt Ryan. I said, you're sick in the head, and you are sick in the head if you think that. Carson Wentz has been absolutely awful this season. But I still think that these, I don't think this Eagles team is done period like that, but I think they got some players they need to get out of that locker room and Carson Wentz needs another year to bounce back from this ACL injury. So uh, it's interesting to see right there. Next, I want to talk here, my power rankings, just kind of go through my NFL power rankings right now. It's late enough in the season. I think it really matters to hit on these team, to hit on these teams with the power rankings. So let me pull these up for y'all, but I'll start, I'll start for y'all at 10. And then I'm going to do my MVP standings as well. I think there's been some big movement in the MVP standings. So my NFL power rankings, the way everything stands right now, my number 10 team I have is the Dallas Cowboys. They also had my most impressive win of the week this week at Atlanta. I did not think Dallas could come in there and beat us. Didn't think they had the offensive firepower to keep up with us, but their rookie linebacker, Leighton Vanderash, he really was a game changer getting that pick up the ball that bounced off Calvin Ridley's chest. I don't even want to, I'll have to talk about that later, even though I don't even want to. That game made me pretty upset. I didn't tweet the rest of the day after the Falcons game was over because I was that pissed off about the loss and the way our season is gone. But number 10, guys, I got the Cowboys. This defense is for real. This offense, when they can get Ezekiel Elliott going, they're four and one in games where Zeke runs for over 100 yards. So that's their major key now, guys. And they're also 5 0 when Dak takes care of the ball. So. Dallas does those things. They win games. I think they the way their schedule plays out, they will be able to win this division. Dallas is playing really good football right now. I got them at 10. Number nine, I have the Seattle Seahawks coming off another huge win this week, beating up on the Green Bay Packers at home. I think the Seahawks can make the playoffs. I think they have a serious MVP candidate in Russell Wilson. I think Pete Carroll's got this team playing really good, motivated football, and I think the emergence of Frank Clark on defense has really helped this team. And I really like Dow or I really like Seattle here to make the make the playoffs as a wild card. At number eight, I have the San Diego Chargers. Um, that was a bad loss for them, guys. They didn't show up this week against Denver. That was one of my locks this week was Denver plus seven. Um, they did not show up this game, guys. They got absolutely embarrassed. I was. 
thoroughly disappointed in the way they played. The Chargers dropped. They were at five for me last week. Now they're back at eight. So I still think the Chargers will get it done, guys. I think that when you lose games like this in the NFL, it's kind of an eye-opener, and it's not necessarily the worst thing that can happen. You would say, oh, losing a game, I mean, that's horrible. But at the same time, guys, losing and losing a game like this is not a horrible thing. It refocuses your football team. I look for the Chargers to bounce back and still make it in the playoffs. Number seven, guys, this was my most impressive team of the week. This was the Chicago Bears. I was thoroughly impressed with what they did on Sunday Night Football. This is a game where I was saying I like the Vikings. I mean, you get the better team here. You get points, better defense, better everything was the Vikings. And, man, was I wrong. Mitchell Trubisky is balling out. Him and Matt Nagy is a great marriage. I really think that he feels comfortable in his offense. He's a good runner, and he's a smart runner, too, guys. Like You don't see Trubisky taking these hits when he runs. He did throw two interceptions in this game. He needs to take care of the ball a little bit more, but... I thought that Trubisky guys played a really, really good game, and I thought this defense did a good job of exposing Kirk Cousins, who was struggling in his first year in Minnesota. I think it is just the first-year blues. Some players struggle in their first season with a new team, so, I mean, it's understandable, but I think that Kirk Cousins is what's holding back the Vikings, but... I love how the Bears have this running back combo with Trubisky. I mean, with uh, Howard and Cohen, I think that's a really good combo, especially Cohen catching the ball out of the backfield. And I think Anthony Miller, one of my draft sleepers, is starting to emerge as a, as a star wide receiver in this league, or at least showing potential that he will be a star wide receiver in this league. So I look for him to keep balling out, and I really like what I saw from the Bears this week. Coming in at number six, I have the Houston Texans. They had... An interesting win against Washington. Washington's kind of one of those grinder teams. I think they just didn't show up and got surprised against Atlanta, but Houston found a way to figure it out. Deshaun Watson is balling out. They add Demarius Thomas in this offense. He is him, Nuke Hopkins, who's probably the best jump ball receiver in the NFL, probably has the best hands in the entire league. You throw it to him, he goes and gets it. Um, they also have Kiki QT in the slot, a speedster that I love. He's one of my draft sleepers as well. Um, I just think that this Texas team is complete. They got really good defensive players, especially the fact that they have J.J. Watt, Tyron Matthew, and Jadavian Clowney on this defense. So this defense definitely carries the star power you need in the National Football League. So I really like this Texans team, and I think they'll be in the top five here soon as they are on a seven-game winning streak right now, the hottest team in the NFL. And number actually probably actually the Saints, I guess, are the hottest team in the NFL because their win streak's longer. But Texans are on fire right now, guys, and you can't ignore that. Number five, I have the New England Patriots. I mean, the Patriots are the Patriots. Just because they're at five doesn't mean that they're not going to go back to the Super Bowl. As long as you got Bill Belichick in the playoffs. Last time I checked, you always have a chance to go to the Super Bowl. So you could not rule out the Patriots here, guys. I'm not really going to go into much detail on the Patriots, but I think this team's a lot better than they were at the beginning of the season. They found a run game with Sony Michelle. They had a bye week this week to regroup, heal everybody up. The Patriots are going to come back even stronger. They get better as the season goes on. I would not be surprised if they're as high as three on this scale at some point at the end of the season. Number four, I have the Pittsburgh Steelers. I mean, they couldn't have played any worse against Jacksonville, and the fact they still came back and won the game. I love how Big Ben was calling out the Jags players kind of subtly for talking smack to him and talking bad to him. I love, you know, the Steelers team, they're resilient, guys. They they faced adversity all season long, and they fought back, and there's no better showing of that than the way they won this game on Sunday. I love the Steelers team moving forward. This is a really good team, and – 
I mean, they're definitely a top contender in the AFC. We got pretty much three really solid teams that can come out of the AFC, only two that can come out of the NFC. I'm going to get to in a second. Number three, I got the Chiefs, guys. I still think the Chiefs are probably the AFC's best. I think that they could potentially win the Super Bowl still. Like I said, though, I want to see how Andy Reid does with this team moving forward. I want to see if Pat Mahomes can take you better care of the ball and not look as much like a rookie as he did this last week. I mean, don't get me wrong. He scored 51 points, but five turnovers is unacceptable, guys. That's absolutely unacceptable. Number two, I have the L.A. Rams. The only reason why I have the Saints in front of the Rams is because the Saints beat them head-to-head, and the Saints have been beating teams more impressively. The Saints have been beating, just blowing everybody out. Nobody can even come close to playing with the Saints. So I just think the Saints right now, guys, are the best team in the NFL. They're better than the Rams, and that will segue into my next segment here in my MVP race. I have Drew Brees in the lead of my MVP race right now. My original standings, I had number one, I had uh, Pat Mahomes. Number two, I had Todd Gurley. Number three, I had Big Ben. And the, or, um, Drew Brees. And number four, I had Russell, or Big Ben. Five, Russell Wilson and Deshaun Watson tied. I still pretty much have the same thing, except I bumped Drew Brees to one, Mahomes to two, Todd Gurley to three. I want to say this, though, guys. Drew, I think whatever team, as long as they have similar stats, I think whatever team has similar stats and the best record in the NFL will have the league MVP just because of the way that the stats that these players are putting up right now. I mean, Mahomes is setting all kinds of records. Drew Brees is crazy efficient taking care of the ball. Um, these quarterbacks are absolutely balling out right now. If you look at look in yardage, Drew Brees is not top five in yards, but he, he sits at number six. You got Pat Mahomes and Jared Goff at one and two. Um, I think that Jared Goff, guys, is a guy who cannot be written off in this MVP race as well. He's kind of sleeping. Everyone's sleeping on him a little bit. Um, Jared Goff can easily win the MVP, guys. I mean, he's top. He's top. He's number two in yards, number three in touchdowns right now. You can't rule him out right now. I just feel like if Gurley keeps scoring touchdowns the way he has, then he's absolutely. Gonna gonna finish ahead of Goff in in the MVP race, and if the Rams were to win the were to have a better record and get home field advantage, I think that he could get MVP. But my biggest thing is Gurley is, is the only thing keeping him from it. I think it can only be one of the two of them, and Drew Brees could still possibly get it if they think it's both them for MVP. But if Gurley's play drops off a little bit, guys, Goff could jump all the way from number six on my scale all the way to number one like that. I mean, it could be so quick. So can't rule Goff out in this race. But Drew Brees number four in passing touch. Touchdowns. Pat Mahomes is number one. He's number one in yards and in passing touchdowns. So, I mean, Mahomes is balling out. But, guys, the crazy stat for Drew Brees, 25 touchdowns and one interception. 25 touchdowns in one interception. One interception. That is crazy, guys. Drew Brees has thrown one interception this entire season. This guy has been crazy, crazy efficient. His stats obviously are a little worse than Goff and Mahomes, but that one interception, guys, he's taking care of the ball. He's playing crazy efficient. He's winning games. Drew Brees is playing the best football of his career so late in his career, and that is why I have him right now as number one in my MVP race. Also, I mean, it's tough, guys, to rating MVP. I feel like you have to factor winning into MVP. I think that that is a big part. Obviously, I think the stats have to be in the same ballpark and have to be similar. Russell Wilson is in the same ballpark as all these QBs, and I think he truthfully is carrying his team the most of any. I think if you take him off his team, that his team is the worst out of any team in the NFL. Like, if you take away Russell Wilson, I don't know if the Seahawks have won a single game this season. They do have really good home field advantage, but... 
I mean, guys, do you really think this roster would win a single game? Look at his receivers. Tyler Lockett, Doug Baldwin. I mean, their their tight end, Will Disley, goes out for the season. Look at these running backs. You're shuffling around Mike Davis, Danelle Penny, Chris Carson. I mean, this he probably has the fourth worst supporting cast in the NFL for a quarterback. Offensive line plays sucks. I mean... Russell Wilson is nothing around him, guys, and makes so much with nothing. I would love to see him in one of these stacked offenses, the crazy things this kid could do. But I think it, I think he helps his team the most, but I just don't know if the wins are going to be there. These teams that are winning are just putting up such absurd offensive numbers that I don't think it matters that Russell Wilson is carrying his team that much over all these other teams. Also, Deshaun Watson definitely has a chance, guys. This MVP race, these NFL power rankings, the entire NFL, guys, it's got a lot coming up. There's still so much going on. There's so much change that could happen. So it's going to be fun to watch what happens. But I'm going to close out my NFL segment here with a little Falcons rant, guys. And I'm embarrassed right now, guys. I mean, how did we lose? How do you lose at home to Dallas? I mean, at home, you're averaging almost over 30 points per game, and you come out and you put up 19 points. Like, this frustrates me, guys. We get decent defense play the last two weeks. We probably get the best defense play we've had all season the last two weeks. And look what we do with it, guys. We just squander it. I mean, we did score 10 points in the fourth quarter. We did, we have lost four games this season in the last 10 seconds of the game, which really, really hurts. But I just don't understand, guys. I mean, how do we how do we blow this? Calvin Ridley has really, really screwed us over the last two weeks with letting passes hit off him and get intercepted. I don't think that's on Matt Ryan at all, guys. But I got to give my hats off to Dallas. Ezekiel Elliott ran all over us in this game. He had over 200 yards of, of offense total, which – Definitely hurt us a lot there. I think it was 202. But, I mean, Atlanta's defense played well enough for it to win this game, guys. We have to score more points. And I know a lot of people are saying Dan Quinn did a horrible job coaching, like when he called that timeout on third down and it gave Dallas more time to drive the field and end up winning the game. But I'm going to be honest with you guys. You can call for Dan Quinn's job. There's so many stats out there. Cohen even gave me a few stats that he he wants y'all to know he's all on the Trier Dan Quinn train and at first I was kind of like all right I agree with you Cohen but then I had to think about this a little bit more there's no possible way guys that I can drive him out of town I mean you can say that you want to get Dan Quinn out of town and all so here here's the crazy stat for you Mike Smith blew three fourth quarter leads in in his four seasons with the Falcons. Dan Quinn has blown 12 fourth quarter leads in his first four seasons with the Falcons. Falcons blew eight fourth quarter leads from the 2012 NFC Championship game through um, 2014 under Mike Smith, which, which led to his firing. So, I mean, I think Dan Quinn could easily be out the door here, guys, but... Let's be let's be honest here, guys. Why would we fire Dan Quinn right now? Think about it. Matt Ryan is horrible with first-year offensive coordinators. We know now it's an offensive league. It's not about the defense. We have a good young defense. Dan Quinn's going to keep getting that defense better and better. But there's no way, guys, we can fire him and have a reset again with the offense. We can't have Matt Ryan sit here and waste another year of Julio, waste another year of Devontae Freeman, waste another year of Matt Ryan. I mean, these guys are getting old. The age is getting up there on the offense. We can't let the window close. I mean, I'm not opposed to firing him if we keep around Sark, but... I mean, I really don't know what we go for better. Why will we go for another defensive coach? It's an offensive league. I don't think Sarkeesian is set to be the head coach. I mean, I don't think there's any way he could be the head coach. I wouldn't be opposed to bringing back Matt LaFleur to be head coach. No, I'm kidding. I don't think that 
I just don't think firing Dan Quinn's the right move here, guys. I think we need to give him another chance, give him another season. I mean, he has been a winning coach. He has done lots of good things with this team. I mean, there's just so many injuries, and you can use the argument that coaches can bounce back from injuries, but, I mean, we're just missing such key injured players. I mean, yeah, the Eagles did it without a quarterback. I mean, I still don't know how the hell they did that without a quarterback. Nick Foles just got hot at the right time, but – it's just crazy to think about right now, guys. I mean, the Falcons, with those four losses right now, we sit at four and six. I mean, we could easily be eight and two right now. I mean, that's, it just hurts, guys. This is one of those seasons you look back on and you're like, how the hell did we not make the playoffs? How the hell did we not do this? And I just feel like, guys, it's really falling apart on us. I mean, obviously, we still have a chance to make the playoffs, but there's just nothing in me that believes that we can go into New Orleans and beat the Saints. We don't even know if Debo, Deion Jones is going to play. I was a little pissed off that he didn't play, but they said that there was no possible way you could have played because they said he practiced. They're a little misleading with that report. I think they're kind of trying to get um, to get Dallas to prepare as if he was playing, but and there's just no way you shouldn't put huge numbers up on a Dallas team without Sean Lee. I mean, I see no excuses for that, guys. So uh, I hope somehow we can get it done against the Saints, guys. We're 13-point dogs right now, so it's definitely going to be interesting to see what happens. But if anybody's set to go into New Orleans that's done it before and beat them, that is Atlanta. So really nothing big happened in college football on my weekend matchup podcast. I'll actually talk a little bit more college football. We have some huge matchups coming up this week. I just want to give a shout-out to my Florida State Seminoles, though, for beating Boston College. Guys, let's beat Florida this week. Let's get bowl eligible. They don't want it. Let's do it to them one more time. I would love to see the Noles get bowl eligible and tags first season as the head coach, so that would definitely be fun to watch. But I'm going to move here into some NBA real quick before I end off this podcast. My first thing is going to be here, should the Wizards clean house? And I say absolutely yes. So one of my predictions before the season started – was that the Wizards would would part ways with either John Wall or Bradley Beal. I feel like that these guys just kind of fell have fallen apart. I mean, John Wall showed a lot of promise back in, I guess, the 2017 NBA playoffs. Yeah, two years ago when they played Atlanta in the first round. I mean, I went to one of those games. John Wall scored 30 points in the first half. I mean, John Wall was a walking bucket in this playoff series, but... I think he's regressed. I think this team has regressed. The NBA style of play has changed where I don't think John Walls is valuable of a point guard as he used to be. Some moves I have I think the Wizards should try to make is I think they should send Wall to the Suns for Josh Jackson and TJ Warren. TJ Warren's a great young scorer off the bench. Josh Jackson could be a good two-way player. I mean, I think pairing Devin Booker and John Wall together and getting John Wall a change of senior would be good because, I mean, don't get me wrong, guys. I think his style of play is a little outdated, but John Wall's still easily a top-10 point guard. He's a dog. He's a good defensive player. I think he could be a good matchup on the Suns. I think he'd fit well. I think that's really the only team in the league that I think should trade for him. Maybe the Mavs or somebody like that, but at the same time, I kind of like Dennis Smith and Luka Doncic, and I don't want to destroy what these young, what those young guys are trying to do together. So, I don't know about that one. And my next trade is Beal and Morris, as in Markeith Morris, to the Hornets for Michael Kidd, Girl, Chris Batum, and a lottery-protected pick. I think the Hornets need to keep around Kimball Walker. I also think they're trying to make a playoff push. Kimball Walker's been absolutely balling out, guys. He scored 60 and 43 this lap and in his last two games. So, I mean, Kimball Walker is eating right now. And I think if you get him a decent number two option like Brad Beal, he could fit really well. I also think Brad Beal fits well in the Lakers. I would just send him. And a lot of, I would send an unprotected pick and Brandon Ingram to the Wizards for him. I mean, you knew the Lakers are going to make the playoffs no matter what, especially if they added Beal. I think that'd be a good trade. Think about it. You can slide everybody down a position. You just slide. I feel like right now LeBron's basically the, the Lakers shooting guard or power forward. You put him at the three, Beal at your two. 
Kuz at the four, McGee at the five, and then Rondo or uh, Lonzo at the point guard. I think that's a really good starting five. He gives them a shooter. I mean, he can be kind of like how Kyrie was. People don't realize LeBron would just give the ball to Kyrie and be like, here, Kyrie, go, go get your own shot. And that's exactly what Kyrie would do. He'd create for himself off the dribble. So I also think that's a really good matchup right there. And then my last uh, trade I've got for them, I mean, Otto Porter Jr.'s contract is absurd, guys. He makes like 20, he's the highest paid player on the team. Obviously, John Wall's contract kicks in where he's making $42 million. That's the other tricky thing about trading John Wall is he's on in one of those super maxes. So he's on some absurd contract that nobody's going to want to pick up. But Otto Porter Jr. to the Trailblazers for Evan Turner, Mo Harkless, and an unprotected first. It's the same thing with the Trailblazers. You add Otto Porter, you're definitely making the playoffs. So I think requiring all of that is a good move for the Blazers. Obviously, being stuck with Porter's contract long term is also a big thing. So the Wizards have really put themselves in a bad spot here, guys. With these contracts, they've played out to these players. They want to rebuild now, but they're in a bad spot. This team's falling apart. I think they have to clean house and get rid of everybody. So... We'll see what they end up doing here. I don't know if they're gonna how they're gonna clean house if they want to trade one of Wall or Beal. I think you got to trade them both though. I think if you want to tank, you got to tank the right way. Everybody wants to go get Zion and stuff. I thought the Wizards actually had a good team win last night. I don't think this team's dead in the water, but I think they need to make some sort of trade. I mean, if they could get rid of Porter and keep Beal and Wall, but I feel like you have to get rid of one or Beal and Wall, and I would lean towards John Wall getting rid of that salary now and getting rid of his attitude. Like when he said "f you" to the coach, I feel like you got to get rid of him. So. My next big takeaway from the NBA right now is the Kings are for real. Obviously, guys, the Kings' record has dropped off a little bit lately. They have moved out of the playoff race. They're sitting at 9-8 and eight right now, guys, but they had a huge win against the Thunder. Um, this Kings team can score the basketball, though, guys. They play with really good pace. They've been scoring lots of points lately. But my big thing is the emergence of Buddy Heald. This guy's averaging 19.2 points per game. He is hitting the three ball right now at a really good rate for this team. He's averaging two point at over um, two and a half made three-pointers per game, which is really, really good. And he's only averaging 5.7 attempts. So, I mean, he's shooting 43% from three-point range, and he's scoring 19.2 points per game. I think he's emerged as a go to score for this team and I think that makes them really scary because De'Aaron Fox is averaging 18.2 points per game he's dishing the ball out as well getting 7.4 assists per game so I think this Wizards team is coming along together guys Marvin Bagley obviously is young and this is his rookie year he's playing well for a rookie and I think he'll get better as the season goes on and I think he'll be really really good here soon in the future and be an all-star Willie Cauley-Stein as well guys rebounds the ball well he's scoring the ball well he's blocking shots well I mean this 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 Kings team guys has a lot of potential right now I really think this is one of the better young young teams in the NBA they can score a lot of points I mean they're ninth in the league in points per game at 13.9 um, they all the only problem is that they're giving up 11 or uh, 116.1 so I mean they're giving up a little bit more than you'd like to see them give up but this is a really good young Kings team guys and I think this young core they have with Heald and Fox and all these guys are going to keep getting better. You know, the Kings ended up doing really well in that DeMarcus Cousins trade because if you look at it now, DeMarcus Cousins plays for the Warriors. He didn't play for the Pelicans anymore. And the fact that you were able to get Buddy Heald, who's now a probably your ghost, he's probably going to be one of those next go-to shooting guards, you know, who can average to you 18, 20 points a game, which is damn good in this NBA now, can knock down the three ball. So, I mean, Buddy Heald is going to be an extremely valuable player. And this Kings team is going to have a nice core, guys. I really think this is going to be a playoff team here soon. When Marvin Bagley's ready to come around, they'll pretty much have a big three. And Willie Cauley-Stein, the way he's playing, I mean, that could be a big four even. So this Kings team is scary, guys. Do not sleep on them. I will talk about them again with Cohen 
obviously on the association, but I just want to give you all my little opinion on the last thing I want to talk about. Kimball Walker, guys, this man is a dog. He is eating right now. Kimball Walker is getting absolute buckets. He's leading the NBA in scoring currently at 29.6 points per game. Like I said, the Wizards should go out and get Brad Beal and give him a number two option. I mean, they need to go out and get him a number two option. I think Brad Beal, by the way, guys, will be the best player available all season long on the trade block. Kimball Walker in the last two games scored 43 and 60. I mean, 60 points. Stop it, Kimba. He hit six and seven threes in these games, shot over 60% from the field in the 60 point per, per in the 60 point game which is unbelievable to be hit 21 field goals I mean that's crazy and then he shot 56 percent in the uh, Boston game which they won which I mean Kim was getting buckets guys I mean this kid this guy is balling out of his mind he's gotten better as his career's gone on in the NBA he's been just piecing teams up I bet Kimball is going to keep going off tonight the Pacers come to town I bet he'll be giving Oladipo buckets back and forth the entire game I mean you wouldn't think in his seventh season in the league that he would get this much better but Kimball Walker is getting better and better every single season and honestly I think he should be in the MVP talk too I mean his team's not winning a lot of games right now but the way he's scoring the basketball he's leading this team they basically have to have him score the basketball or it's not winning that's why they need to get him another option but I would just like to say that, though, guys. I think Kimber Walker's balling out, but I'm going to conclude today's podcast on that. Um, on that note, guys, I mean, the NBA race is only heating up. The NFL is only heating up. College football playoff standing stayed the same. I mean, sports are getting so much better, guys. we got so many good college football matchups coming up this week. I mean, it's basically a feast starting on Friday, Thursday night. you got a little, you got the Egg Bowl action. I mean, I'm, who cares about that game? Falcons, Saints are on. But the fact that you got all these college football games on on Saturday, like the fact you got Oklahoma, West Virginia on Friday, I mean, that is a huge game with lots of playoff implications. So I'm excited, guys, to see the way everything plays out. It's going to be fun to watch. The it's only getting better and better as the season goes on, guys. So tweet at me. Let me know what y'all are thinking about everything going on. Um, I'll always want to hear y'all's comments at Hot Takes of TP3 on Twitter. Um, me and Cohen's next episode of the Association will be out on Friday. We'll record again on Friday, guys. Lots of good stuff coming for y'all there. But I appreciate y'all tuning in, and I'll see y'all next time.